思いが待っていてもそれはあなたが自分一人で決めたことだわあなた自身のことなのよ任さずに自分にできることを考えつもないは自分でやりなさい Hi listener Thank you so much for checking out Watery Desho, an anime podcast so bad that it loops back around to being good. Or so we hope. Just wanted to take a minute and say that if you enjoy what you hear, you can rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to our YouTube or SoundCloud, or follow us on Twitter at Watery Desho. We also have an inbox at Watery Desho at Gmail if your message can't be fit into 280 characters. And we read all the messages you send and reply to them. Whether they make it to air or not, because we really do love our community, which we hope you'll become a part of if you haven't already. But whether you do or not, you have our sincere thanks for listening, friend. Hope you enjoy the show. Start button. So if there's a delay, I'll probably come in mid sentence. Let's give Red Bull their blood money here. They're advertising that they pay generously for <laughs> slash haven't. Game those wings on. Very tired. But but I'm but I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about the animes. Okay. <laughs> <sighs> me, 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 me. La 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 la. Prep. This is prep. This is how the professionals prep for podcasting. Ugh. Ugh. All right. Ugh. You ready, Shadai? Oh, no. You just blinked out. Now you're back. <laughs> Good. I thought I'd change the uh, server because we are having problems with stuttering. I think it's now fixed your video issue, funnily enough. Oh, good. Perfect. Yeah, yeah it kind of like. Never mind, it's working. Magic. Great. Yay. Let's hope it stays working. Magic. I love magic. May it, ne- may it never break again. Because <laughs> that's, that's going to happen. Oh, um, it never, never split. Yes. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome, ladies, gentlemen, and envies. I am the Subtle Doctor. This is Watery Desho. An anime podcast so very bad, it loops back around to being good. And we are here today to talk about the new season of anime. This is something we haven't done before, but I'm excited to do it. Uh, it's not just me, of course, the heretofore, but not probably going forward, silent partner of mine. Uh, not a power move, Orgalia, but he's still he's positioned below me on the stream window, but that does not reflect... <laughs> That does not reflect our ontological status. So, so you say. So <laughs> you true. say. Uh, we talk a big game. Let's talk a big game. This man is uh, a, a wise and wonderful being. Uh, your anime buddy and mine, Hug Pillow Aficionado, Shadon. Hey, everyone. Um, taking time to appear on the podcast during the week after successfully escaping my recent transformation into a Kappa. Thank you, Yukinon, for that. Oh, man. I d- 
that was brilliant. That was <laughs> I I can't say enough about like what a just what a good artist and what a good sport Yuki is. Um mm. that was uh I've never had fan art drawn about me. Uh so Neither have I, to be fair. This was that was pretty cool. <laughs> that that was really, really <laughs> cool. Uh, so a big big thanks go to Yuki. I, yeah, I, I I was genuinely blown away by that. So if you're listening, Yuki, uh thank you so much for it. It's hugely appreciated. Uh, if ever I bump into you at a Guild Gear tournament or the like in the future, uh, I will buy you some sort of alcoholic beverage as thanks. Even a more expensive one, like you know, I'm not gonna go cheap on this shit. I'll get you the premium goods. You got my word on that. Shadon's word. As good as um the word of Pope? Oh, I lost it. I was trying to think of the name of uh yes. Yes. Uh it is as good as the word of the Pope. I was trying to no, I was trying to go higher than the Pope. We have to aim higher. Okay. Ooh, We're that's a, that's a high standard. But we have high standards. And I was trying to think of the name of the family from Fruits Basket, and I was going to say your word is so, as good as the the head of the family, um, the Soma family. Yes, the the Soma family. Uh, just think of the the Brave New World drugs, <laughs> and and there you go. That'll to be fair, that'll... Fruits Basket is a drug. It's a good kind of drug. Everyone makes kind. you happy. Absolute yes. best kind. Indeed. Uh, so in case you're not gathered, folks, uh, we're currently here uh, not to talk about uh, Sounds of My today. We're actually going to do like kind of a quick chat about some of the shows that we've been watching from the start of this season. Uh, uh, just give you some of our opinions. It's not going to be a full-blown chat about all of them, of course, because we'd be here for hours otherwise. Um, but, yeah. you know, doing a stream of thought is all well and good on a single show, but maybe it's worth us talking about other shows, just a, you know, a little overview like of what we've caught up with. And there are three shows in particular I want to talk about today. Uh, first of which you might have already gathered was, of course, Fruits Basket. Uh, the second of which uh, will be uh, Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba. I'm probably butchered that. I'm yeah. so sorry. Kimetsu no uh, but then again, it, it, Demon Slayer is all about the butchering, so I suppose it's not grand. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, and lastly, I want to talk about One Punch Man Season 2 and the two's... Uh, Oh, that's an unfortunate number to have. I'm going to be really mean to that show, aren't I? Okay. I feel um, really bad. Well, look, we'll probably disagree about OPM Season 2, but mm-hmm. this is what people, you know, people like podcasts where the hosts, excuse me, the Red Bull, Jesus. <laughs> Fucking hell. Where, where the host, uh, you know, tries to shill products and then somehow nearly kill themselves in the process. Exactly. The, our, <laughs> yeah, the the touring overwhelms those. No, where the hosts have friends, we, where we disagree, and you have hot takes and opinions clashing against each other. Um, so the bad news, though, I mean, I'm really looking forward to this, but just on the front end, we want to say that this podcast, uh, this stream is happening, uh, I think in large part because we won't have a Saraz and my well. Maybe that's unfair to say in large part because you and I really did want to do this. Uh, I think, regardless, there's, I'm this is the first season I've watched like the seasonal premieres mm. in a while. Like I don't know the, the anime 
anime stirrings are happening in my nerd loins here this season. Um, <laughs> for whatever reason. Uh, but like, but yeah, so we're not doing Sarazenmai this week because of Good Friday, because Easter. Uh, a couple of us have plans, and so we're going to mm-hmm. put that off to next week. So I'm going to be smashing those chocolate eggs something fierce. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. But we have, but but we wanted to do a stream for you guys. Um, uh, Manira asks, how is uh, Fruits Basket? Uh, we'll talk about we'll that. We'll talk Don't about it. Yeah, we'll get into it in due course. But yeah, we want, let's, uh, my shows, I, I think the three that you brought up, I have seen everything that's been out so far. The only other one, I, I wanted to watch Robohachi. I was recommended it by uh, Dana, who goes by uh, Blue Seed Devotee on this ah, channel. Ah, yes. Uh, and she said, hey, Doc, you." she recommends me uh, so many anime, like at least one a season that I always mean to watch. But I was, I'm going to watch Robohachi. Unfortunately, I just didn't have time to get to it before this. But, but I have watched... I did make time for Mix, Mace Story, and man, I I don't I won't like talk too much about it because you haven't seen it and I don't want to just talk at you, but I I do want to talk about it briefly when uh, when we get to it. So mm-hmm. yeah, Cle- clearly I need to you know get another sideshow that you're not watching at the same time. Like the mm-hmm. uh, you know I mean I'm going for a country roll here. What have we got? We've got Nobunaga Teacher's Young Bride. Yeah, put me down for that. Sounds great. Fantastic. Uh, there was that other one, which I think was about the girl with eyes. And I'm like, yeah, sounds exactly up my alley. Nice. April, yeah. is, April is the cruelest month. T.S. Eliot was right. Honestly, I think that, you know, at the moment, like, there's always going to be that one show that gets unleashed every season that's just absolutely dire. Mm-hmm. It's this like it's a requirement, like a I don't know, like a blood sacrifice. In order to have the good stuff, you have to dump a complete shitter in there to have you know to have it work. It's karmic balance, if you follow mm-hmm. me. Some some anime creators die for a time so that the rest of us might live. Yeah, well, more like they just inflict incredible amounts of pain on us through the shit that they put out. But well, hey. Oh, believe me. Oh, sorry, Carolyn. She... Apanovi just mentioned, like, I'm so, I'm so distressed that I that I can't watch Carolyn Tuesday. I've become a lazy nerd in my old age, and so I know I could just torrent it. But I mean, there's so much other shit to watch, and I really want to watch this show. I mean, it seems amazing, but uh, fucking. I just, I think I'm just going to wait to click the easy button, the Netflix button, whenever it decides to show up. <laughs> speaking, look, speaking of this. Oh, boy. I just want to take this opportunity to, to like, and of course, I haven't checked this morning, so watch me do this rant and it be available as of this morning. Where the fuck is Kakagurui Season 2, Netflix? Where is it? It's done. It has finished airing. And you have it. I would like to see it. I really love postcard, please, ladies and gentlemen. Season one, great. The live action television drama, great. I want more. You're charging me more. You've gone up to thirteen dollars a month now. 
I'm, Give I'm me sorry. the anime! I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have to stop you there, because sounds a lot like you've just been denied your, like, weekly fix from your local drug dealer. Yes. I mean, are you, like, you know, having the, the shakes? Are you going through withdrawal symptoms? Stuck? Something akin to that. I mean, can, can, is there another... Can I watch another television show about girls who are obsessed with, like, high-stakes gambling to the point of, like, where it becomes this sort of Almost like autoerotic asphyxiation for them to gamble. Like that is a very niche kind of drug. I will it confess. Yeah. It's a very, it's a designer. Uh, <laughs> for... <laughs> what did you have? It some guy like you had like a giant trench coat. Just goes, hey, right, light. Got yourself this kakiguri. <laughs> yes, it's right up your alley. <laughs> Definitely a bespoke thing. Engineer. Well, that, well, that's that's how, that's how the pitch happened to Netflix. Like he just came in and did that in the boardroom. Um. Is my video freezing up for you, by the way? It is, yes. But okay. I think it can't be helps this point. I don't know if it's Discord or my internet. It could be a variety of things. If people can hear me okay and they're looking like, you know, I'm doing stop motion, I'm entirely all right with that as well. Okay. It's all part of the art. That's right. That's right. This is uh, <laughs> it's a new thing we're trying. It's oh, intentional. Man. Yeah. Uh, part of the brand. Okay. Yeah. I also must confess, because well, it's cats are kind of out of the bag at the moment, but I am working my way through... I am working my way through Shield Hero. Oh no! Because I hate yeah. my because I hate myself <laughs> and my time. Why are you doing? fucking worthless? Because <sighs> I want to talk about it on the podcast for your amusement, uh, as in the audience. And man, like I'm not going to tell you anything much about it here because I, of course, do want to talk about it later uh, on a you know a proper structured podcast that I'll be recording solo for it. Uh, but I will just say this, right? Uh, first off, all the all of the morally reprehensible stuff you might have heard about it is indeed true. Um, despite the fact that the show goes to almost obnoxious lengths to make excuses for itself and why characters behave the way they do. Um, which is kind of telling. But the thing that makes me laugh, the thing that makes me laugh the most, is that it's... Its version of the apocalypse is so shit and so underwhelming, I legitimately thought as I was watching it that it was deliberate in order to, you know, be like a trick. Like, oh, it turns out the villains are not the, you know, all-encompassing natural force that will swallow the world whole, but it's really the society. Uh, No, that's not the case at all. Which is a shame, because that could have been something they could have done, but (laughs) never mind. Yeah, I have many, 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 many things to say about that show. Uh, if you want to know what it's going to end up sounding like when I start talking about it, just go back and watch any of our later Franks episodes, because that's the level, that's the batting average that Shield Hero is currently hissing at for me. Um, it sounds very yeah. unpleasant. Very unpleasant. It's holistically bad. It's bad in so many different ways, it's actually kind of astounding how many different ways one person can fuck up their own show. Mm-hmm. Ostensibly because they're trying to defend its content, while doing so. But anyway, well, that's a discussion for a later point. But yeah, uh, it sucks balls, and I will not be, you know, intimidating and insane otherwise. Don't, you, don't, don't let the the uh, nerd hordes scare you. Just get, d- uh, say your truth. Say your truth. It, Look, I, whenever you had said earlier, you know, you've been 
this is an idea that you've had in the hopper for a while. And every time that you would say, you know, I'm thinking of watching Shield Hero for content. And I mm-hmm. would say... Because I'm an idiot. Look, I'm not going to stop you, but nor am I going to tell you that this is a thing you should do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like you, once you once you fleshed out the script and everything, and I was like, okay, like I think this that you should do it because you put a lot of thought into it, and it will be really interesting. But just, just knowing that you had to watch this show for it, and I was like, man, I don't know if I wish any of my friends to do that. Well, here's the way of describing it, Doc, because the final thing we'll say on it before we move on to the show, so you want to talk about. You remember what Jackass was, right? Indeed. So basically, this is my version of Jackass. Hi, I'm Shade now. I'm about to watch Shield Hero. And I just ended up running straight into a wall or something. That's the kind of idiocy that this is. That, you know, you'd have to watch this show, like, you know, to discuss it later in the same way that you would by riding a shopping trolley down a hill and expecting not to get injured. God help me. God fucking help me. Anyway. <clears throat> anyway. So we're not going to talk about that uh, turgid piece of crap today. We're instead going to talk about some other shows. Specifically, we're going to talk about Fruit Basket. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be talking about Demon Slayer. We'll talk about One Punch Man Season 2. Which one of those do you want to start on first, Doc? Hmm. Well, I think... Let's go with Fruits Basket. Let's talk some f- Furuba. Furuba. It's not Furuba, it's Furuba. Furuba. <laughs> I, I mean, here's the thing about Fruits Basket for me, right? I... Like, there are, like, benefits to being on Twitter, would you believe? I know it's a hard sell. I know it's difficult for me to say that with a straight face, that it's a good thing, reason, you know, good thing to be on Twitter or any social media. But one of the nice things is that I can absorb, like, you know, opinions and perspectives on work through osmosis just as it gets delivered to me. And this is how I've kind of learned a little bit, but not too much about Fruits Basket and also, as it turns out, Saranzamai as well. Um... Because I had no idea what Fruits Basket was prior to it suddenly getting this, you know, re- remake. Because apparently it was a previously an anime series back in the late 90s, early 2000s. I don't remember exactly when. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is also the problem with getting things via osmosis through social media and that you only get half the story. <laughs> but what I did definitely get loud and clear was the fact that people were very fond of it. It felt very formative to them when they were younger um, for its concept. Like, you know, it's very well regarded as a rom-com show. And, like, I thought to myself... Okay, I'm an old, miserable, quid curmudgeon, you know, with no hair, um, and possibly a burgeoning, you know, alcohol problem. But why do I give this show a try? Let's see what people are, you know, talking about. Let's see if it lives up to the hype. And that's not really kind of fair because, you know, I'm going into this at my age now, whereas people who were talking about it be very fond of it. They read it or watched it when they were much younger. It's been around for quite a while. So color me happy, very happy indeed, to say that I am genuinely quite pleasantly surprised by it and how charming it is and how likable it is, while also still having a good se- bit of serious nature to it as well. Like, it simultaneously doesn't take itself seriously, uh, but it does at times, you know, deal in serious subject matter, serious feelings, emotions, or even situations. And it never feels jarring. I thought, hmm... I can see why people like this. I can see why people get behind this. Yeah. Do you want me to add that? 
Oh no, uh, no, absolutely. I'm sorry. Uh, I was. Uh, I didn't know that you were going. Yeah, no. Listen, I. But of course, you kind of can't exist. I don't think in in anime fandom in the early 2000s or mid 2000s without hearing about Fruits Basket. It was, mm. as you said, a seminal uh, romantic comedy, seminal anime period for a lot of people. Um, and it was the kind of thing that, like, I don't know, just about anybody could enjoy. Mm. Uh, and But I, I missed it because, well... Why did I miss out on that? Uh, because I was a stupid boy that was like, I want to see the fight hands and the blood <laughs> and the sexy and the computers and the sunglasses and trench coats and all of this. Were you, were you a serial maker of AMVs back then, Doc? I know that you were. I, I, did, see I, your I, eyes. Did, I did make some AMVs. I uh, fucking knew it. <laughs> I did make some AMVs. Uh, how edgy were they? Shouts to uh, what's that? How edgy were they? Um, probably pretty fucking edgy. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> I'd have to. I, I haven't I, seen them in so long because like they're lost on the CDR. Like if I, I've had this conversation with Danny from Anime is Lit. Like he mm. is a really big AMV fan and a fan of like kind of the history of them and like because I was actually really kind of involved in the scene despite making only about like half a dozen videos. Like <laughs> I talked to a lot of cr prominent creators and stuff like, or I thought they were prominent on message boards and stuff. It was really fun. Shouts to uh, my former friend, Neo Gohan, who yes, Neo Gohan, <laughs> who spent, uh, the combining of the matrix and dragon ball, uh, who spent Perfect. fucking, Gosh, we left our 56k modems on all night so he could send me <laughs> Adobe Premiere over a a AOL Instant Messenger. Oh, wow, and that's dedication. <laughs> yeah. Fucking um, hell. Okay, but this is, uh, I'm getting so off track. Uh, or did you talk about Future bonus Basket? content for Warrior Death Show, yes. folks. <laughs> yeah. to get back into, I'm going to get back into making AMVs and we're going to have some crackers come out. Jesus. But anyway, yeah, I was not looking for a rom-com when I was a, a teenage fan or early 20s fan. And, it was the kind of thing, like, I started to come back to this show, like, I tried to watch it, um, oh, sometime in the, like, later part of the 2000s, after I was married, and I was like, this could be a thing, back back before my wife had watched a bunch of anime with me. By the way, we just finished, we finally finished Mob Psycho Season 2 last night. Ooh! Like, she's been come so, on. she's been so busy with art stuff. That we haven't had time to watch the last two episodes. But Man, like, fuck, it was so worth waiting for. God damn it! What a what a what a damn good season! Like so uh, tangential sideways into a brief review of Mob Psycho 200 because <laughs> we can't not talk about it now that you brought it up. Like, I remember you and me discussing this off cast. I don't think we ever discussed season one on Mori Desho at any point in the past. Uh, we won't, by the way, Manera. I've just spotted that there. We'll, I'll keep this spoiler free for because honestly, okay, if you haven't yep. seen it, you, you do mm -hmm. definitely deserve to see it without. Yes. Like, I had a very serious misgiving with season one. Um, I remember discussing this with you, which is that I really could not get behind Reagan as a character because he was still ultimately, you know, manipulating and using mob for his own ends, even if they were just simply, you know, 
using him to, as a business venture, shall we say, you know. Mm-hmm. I found that really problematic. I it overall I still really like the show, but that's just like the the Harriet entry I couldn't scale over. I couldn't get past it. And here's the thing, right? Bear this in mind for what I told you all before about Shield Hero, because this is going to be a point I'll be bringing back when I get eventually to that, you know, fucking dissertation of shit that I'm going to be dealing with. Uh, But it's also true for fiction in general. Characters can do shitty things. That's fine. It's a question of, you know, what you ultimately do with that in terms of the story. You know, characters often kill other characters, often in fiction. There's all sorts of reprehensible shit going on. But there's always often a reason or an examination why they're doing it. Mm -hmm. So in Reagan's case, like him doing that with Mob, like I was so pleasantly surprised to see in season two an arc that examined that. I won't say any more about it than that, but they actually took a look back and said, right, this thing, this thing that might be a little questionable, let's do something with it. Let's not just leave it hanging in the air. So many times when I've discussed bad shows in this, like Cardo, for example, which came back into my mind recently. Oh my you God. remember them? You remember that unmitigated clusterfuck, that trade derailment that took twelve weeks to unfold. Oh, it could uh, have been so fucking good. That's my point, though. That's my point. Harry, like shows can have stupid things happen, or bad things, or reprehensible things happen, but they provide opportunities for good storytelling. And that's what Mob Psycho 200 did. It took that thing in season one and it actually did something with it. It said, yeah, you know what? We're going to take a critical eye on this. We're going to turn our lens inwards. And that was just one arc of it. The rest of it, which again, I'll say nothing more of for the mm-hmm. sake of the audience, was just phenomenal. So many lo- wonderful little arcs in it. Moments of, you know, genuine empathy, great action, great animation. It's it was like they just simply took what made the first season good and made it better, and that's such a high watermark to pass anyway. Yeah, let me. Holy shit! Yeah, I will just jump in here really quickly and say that at the end of 2016, um, or no wait, it was 2017 that that mob aired, right? Or Something I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Whenever that first season was, I remember yeah. the anime that were part of it. I can't remember what year. It was either 16 or 17. I believe it was 16. But um, that year, I was putting together uh, a big formal list for Wave Motion Canon of my anime of the year that year. You can go. Thank you, Felix, 2016. You can go look at it. It's still uh, up at wavemotioncanon.com. And mm-hmm. I ranked... Mob Psycho 100 Season 1, number 4, in my top 10. And looking back, you know, these three years later, it's too low. (laughs) Uh, It's it's too low because, I mean, and and I still have a lot of love for stuff like uh, ReZero and Erased, but I've gone back and I've rewatched Mob Psycho 100 Season 1, like, I don't know, three, four times since then. I haven't gone mm. back and watched the other ones at all. Some of those times were to show it to other people. Some of it was just because I wanted to see it again. Mm. Because, I mean, it really is, like you were saying, it's just a tour de force. And it might be my number one in, in retrospect from that year. Maybe number two. It's, it's damn good, and it's only aged better and better in in my mind. And, and as I rewatch it, I love the first season. And the second season, like... 
had everything that the first had, I think, in terms of the animation, the experimentation, mm. the the presentation that you come to know and love, uh, but also the writing, as you say, like they weren't afraid to take chances. One really just didn't shy away from examining, like you said, the things that he had set up. Um, and there's a lot of moving shit. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of really moving, emotional, at times harrowing, at times like deeply poignant. Uh, man, like it's, oh, it's just so fucking good. I love the mm-hmm. messages, the theme. I love everything about that show. Season two ruled. My wife loved it. Like, yeah, it's do yourself a favor and watch this. If you have, whether you like yeah. Shonen action or, or not, like, I mean, it's more of a coming of age story than anything. Like they Shonen is such a broad term, like, you know, and one of the things I like about it is like, it's so when you think of like Shonen in terms of like battle Shonen, you think of like long drawn out, fights and stuff like that and like the the arcs and the fights and the confrontations like are so crisp and they happen like so much more quickly (laughs) they don't really drag and they're still satisfying yeah there's a lot of creativity like if there's one thing i could say about one and bear in mind a lot of what we discussed here for the just for the one punch man season two talk we're gonna do later it's funny how things work out isn't it that we get to you know link things together like this out of nowhere but like Say what you will, his creativity is pretty unbridled and it's fantastic to see him, you know, exercising. And it's what will keep me optimistic for One Punch Man season two, despite some uh, issues, shall we say. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. We're talking about, we're talking about this. Do you want to talk about this or do you want to go back to Fruits Basket since we started down that road? Uh, Let's go back. Okay, okay, okay. Fruits Basket. Um, So... My point was I started to watch the 2001 original at some point, but like Mm. the, the characterization of the older brother was a lot more like overtly leery kind of pervert. Uh... And at the time, like now I can see me watching and just going, that's fucking guy. At the time I was like, I don't want this right now in my life and so i i put it away and um tangentially another reason i'm glad that they're remaking this shadon despite like the aesthetic like upgrades and everything and showing it to a new audience uh maybe like oh are you aware of the sexual harassment allegations leveled at akitaro daichi I'm going to have to go one better than that and say I don't even know who Akitaro is. <laughs> so uh, educate me, please, dear doctor. Okay, so obviously the like director of the Fruits Basket TV series. As well. Are you talking about this this one? The most no, recent? the 2001, the original. Oh, good. I was going to say, like, I didn't I did, I did want another MMO junkie where it turns out the director's no. a fucking neo-Nazi or some shit like that. Or it turns out, you know, he's into also Oscar's asphyxiation, some shit. Can we just give that a miss? We just normal. He's like, that's all I want. He directed a lot of comedy anime over the years that people, that fans over here really enjoy, like Fruits Basket, like Animation Runner Karomi, Elf Princess Rain, and 
the mid-90s. Jubei Chan, the ninja girl, I thought was really funny. Both seasons of that. Um, oh, the, the fucking Hokuto no Ken chibi version where they all have, like, real jobs. And, like, Rao is, like, a construction foreman. Uh, what? <laughs> called DD Hokuto no Ken. Uh, you know, he, he directed that. So he's been involved with a lot of fun stuff, but, like... I, I... Go ahead. Who? Who? Ha, ha, like... Okay. Okay, <laughs> okay sideboard. Okay. Okay. So, so, like... This is not anime-related, but I just remember, like, way back... Way back after the Batman animated series concluded, which was great, like Warner Brothers executives pitched Bruce Tim and his team, right? We want Batman in high school, and that if ever you needed evidence that people don't know what the fuck they're talking about, that's it. And I didn't think I'd hear something quite so utterly fucking bamboozling as that. But no, here we are. You know, this is the Red Letter Day here on Warrior Dash Show, where it turns out there's a chibi version of Hokutsu Ken, which just... I I can't process this shit. I'm, I, I couldn't process this if I had, like, ten years less on my <laughs> fucking timer. What the fuck? Who keep... Never mind. I'm just going to skip it. Okay. Let's, let, let us continue. We're yeah. walking, we're walking, we're walking. So Mira points out Daichi directed a lot of crappy anime. He did. Uh, but I think to be fair, he directed a lot of stuff that was well received. Uh, but uh, a couple months ago, uh, voice actress and singer Hiroko Kanishi came out and like I think had like a really like an expose, like a really big uh piece or like a bunch of long quotes about how the anime industry was so like, rife and corrupt with misogyny and, like, the things that... Well, that doesn't sound familiar at all, does it? No, not at all. No. No, no, not familiar. Me Too is not familiar with what you're Jesus Christ. At the rate we're we're going, the only safe place to actually work on anime if you're a woman is going to be in a fucking Franciscan monastery. I know. But that they they want the girls to do all kinds of um, stuff with them to, to get ahead and Specifically, the Wikipedia page that refers to the article references that Daichi wanted her to take a bath with him. Um, And I think that's probably all that needs to be said. That's a pretty indicative example of what we're talking about. And it, you know, that can sour you on a fucking artist's art. And I think anyone... Really is an emo junkie territory, isn't it? It kind of is. Uh, Just... Yeah. God damn it. Like I say, can't people just be fucking normal? Can't we have, like, you know, an, a, a sudden shock article come out on ANN or something about an anime director whose biggest vice is that he, you know, likes pineapple on pizza or some shit like that? <laughs> that I'm, not asking for much. I'm not asking for much here. God's sake. Ugh. I don't know anything about the manga, car. At least they have the manga. If they want to savor something from, you know, those days. But but the it looks like the manga. Uh, oh no! Okay, I see. There's two manga. There's there's Fruits Basket, another that I was actually looking at that was made after the TV show. Yeah, but they have the manga uh, if they want to relive that stuff. But anyway, 
this is all a roundabout and preface for me saying I haven't seen the original Fruits Basket, but I know nope. the premise. I was aware of the deal, but I really, really like this new one. Um, mm, I'm I'm genuinely impressed by it. A- aesthetically, like. <laughs> Yuki Nod. What do you mean pineapple on pizza is a controversy? Um, you get free pass because you drew as this cat. Yeah, you, you could do no wrong. <laughs> yeah, you, you've got your you've got your jail jail free card, lad. You're okay for the time being. I think, like the first thing that jumped out at me was the aesthetic update. I like it so much more. I think it looks so much better than the 2001 I, I, Yeah, I've, I've seen side-by-sides, and I have to say that Toru, the uh, 2001, yikes. Yeah. Not, yeah, but then again, that's the dark age of, you know, anime, where we somehow try, like... Oh, boy. The unpleasant, you know, how do we say it? Growing up period? I don't even know what, like, mm-hmm. I don't even necessarily call it growing up. I just call it, like, you know... We'll call it the Metallica Say Anger period. <laughs> It still technically functions as an album, <laughs> but it's really just a collection of clanging noises, like dropping a load of cutlery down the stairs. So it still, it looks like, it sounds like an album, or it looks like an anime. It just, you know, its construction is dubious. Yeah. Oh, man. Thank Grizzly. That, the dark ages of fucking digipaint. Yep. <laughs> when all the anime was made in digipaint that was that was the tool used to make do the the this new great you know cg revolution that's going to take hold with anime and like god everything looks so much worse than the previous two decades for so long um Man, jesus i thought i missed rough. that yeah i missed that yeah well no you saw elf and lead you didn't miss it i didn't <laughs> see it at the time though to be yeah. fair mm-hmm mm-hmm God, knowing how much of an ignorant muppet I was back when I was, you know, at the age that Elf League came out, I probably would have liked it. Oh, that makes me feel sick thinking about it. I want to slap my youngest self. Um, Jesus. Reach back in time, clip around the ear roll. <laughs> Man, I'm glad I didn't see it at the time either. I probably would have been like, this is so, like, cool and deep and violent, bro. And it's got the gore, but it's got the guts to That's see. Right. There's, like, deep crying things. <laughs> yes. Uh, so She's a misunderstood they, monster like me. They quote I some... <laughs> like me. They quote some philosophers and shit. Um, oh, anyway. So, uh, so, uh, but uh, apart from the aesthetic upgrade, which again, I think is just beautiful, uh, not just the design work, but the, the animation itself, I think looks mm. really lovely and, and, fluid and it's just really pleasant to see um i love the story because i haven't seen it before so the story's really great they kept the spirit in some ways i think of a lot of the old like that late 90s early 2000s era of comedy mm-hmm. um which can be really annoying if applied in the wrong ways uh yes love hina cough cough but like oh the, jesus the like you know someone getting horribly injured and then cutting to the next frame and it's fine because it was for comedy's sake you know that they got punched yeah through the I, room like it was it's all really fun like when the silver-haired boy when the rat beats up the uh the cat 
and things like mm. that. They, it makes me laugh. It's not. Uh, yeah, it, hasn't it, got it's, it doesn't go. It, it doesn't go overboard. Like I was really worried going into this, there'd be a lot of screeching and just gigantic, booming heads over tiny people, and I, I just can't stand that shit. To be honest, it's just not me. But like the fact that Toru, like as has been mentioned in chat, lives in the ten. I know. Like this is. This is like the microcosm, the other example of why Fruits Basket works, because it makes both comedy and drama out of this yeah. without having them clash against each other. It's a great because, point. Because if you think of it this way, right, a kid of her age living in a tent in the woods, you know, because her mother has died and there's nowhere that she feels comfortable staying. And because she wants to, you know, live an independent animal life. It's not like even the government's taking her into care or anything like that. Mm-hmm. That's tragic. That is genuinely tragic. Yeah. And yet it still gets laughs out of you, like, you know, I've got used to the slugs. I'm cool with it. I'm fine. I can handle it. Check me out. I mean, that is so perfectly handled. Like, when the tent gets buried in the landslide <laughs> that happens, like, it, it's good fun. It's good comedy. But it's also not at the expense of the character, and it's not at the expense of the actual genuine drama. Like, you know, when we've got um, the cat boy, whose name eludes me, fighting with, you know, uh, I was going to say Nazumi then, but that's not actually his name. Just, <laughs> no. <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm going to start turning into a real weeb at this point. Nazumi versus Deco. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, like, when they start sparring, it's genuinely entertaining. You get to see their personalities come through from, you know, them as, you know, the animals in the Chinese Zodiac. But then he has a genuine heart-to-heart with his elder brother later, where he starts discussing, you know, like, you, you know, you don't have, like, anyone close, like, what happens when you finally meet that girl who might, you know, actually like you for who you are? And he says, and he says, honestly, and this kind of really touched because I felt the same so much throughout my life, where he says, you know what, I'd think, what the fuck is she thinking? And I'm like, I get you, bro. I like this. I like this honesty and the sincerity for characters who, lest I forget, or lest you forget, are, you know, members of the Chinese Zodiac. They're mythological beings. That's the kind of, like, you know, mythological use in, in fiction that I like, where, yeah, they do, they are possessed of, you know, crazy powers and all that. But they're very human, and they're very relatable. Yeah, so, like when... So I'm I'm really affected by like scenes like the one where you have um the sil- is his name Yuki the silver haired boy He's I the, think he might be the prince when you the prince the, the, the prince the rat uh you know is thinking back on when they had to erase uh his little friend's memory and like He's talking to the head of the family, and the head of the family is saying, man, uh, we have to do this because people are going to, like, if they know about you, they'll be disgusted by you. They won't want to be near you. Mm-hmm. So this is for your protection that we have to do this because, you know, the implication is you're kind of a freak. Uh, and if people knew who you really were, like, knew about your mm-hmm. deepest self, they will be pushed away and turned away. Like to have like a child internalizing that is deeply sad, and those things really hit me hard when I see it. Like uh, Mob Psycho again, I, I'll always remember that scene in season three 
when season three of Mob Psycho, se- season three, <laughs> episode three of season have you seen one. to the future? Exactly. Have you seen to the future? <laughs> Always though? remember if you just, so. The Plato said knowledge is just remembering what you've already forgotten. So, um, oh man, uh, we're not even supposed to spoil season two, so definitely don't spoil season three if it's now yet, Doc. I'm just just saying, just saying. <laughs> I will not. But I episode three, um, when Mob has a flashback to the playground and is thinking about showing Subomi his psychic powers, and she says, get a clue. And that becomes like a tape he plays himself over and over again when his self-confidence is down, when he's feeling blue, when when he wants to, like, show himself and be himself, but, like, is stifled, you know, get a clue, get a clue, Mob. And, like, I think he probably subconsciously internalized that and for I, the prince in fruits basket it's i don't think it's a subconscious thing but it still is like this scar he carries with him from his childhood um but we already have signs of like that of a counter narrative being introduced right as you talked about mm-hmm. a lot when we talked about persona 4 of uh of honda showing him like yeah i like you for you like you're who you really are does not repel me and mm-hmm. i'm just like a sucker for that shit man <laughs> i yeah. ate it up i mean what what must it be like to live a life where you can't have that kind of intimate contact with people it's not even a question like you know of you know of an intimate person like you know you've got a friend of yours you want to give him a hug after a football game or something like that can do that it's the it's puts, like puts uh, the balls. yeah and i was thinking it's like the it's like an inversion of rogue from x-men yeah you know she will of course kill you if she touches you but mm-hmm. and so you can't be intimate with with her or you will die in this case you could you can't be intimate with these with these boys because then they'll become something that you did they'll be the ones affected rather than mm-hmm. you yeah, um, exactly. And it is something I just had as well. Like, I'm mm-hmm. merely possibly speaking out of turn here, but would it be reasonable for me to say that this material is probably aimed more at, shall we say, younger women? Oh, so yes. you've got the cast, mm-hmm. cast of boys and all that. Yeah, this is a shoujo yes. work for sure. For shoujo work. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, w- I have to say, like, it's well rounded because mm-hmm. it actually, like, all this stuff we talk about with the boys, though, like, it's not for, you know, the sake of. You know, making them simply appealing for the audience. They, like, you know, they have genuine trifles together. Mm-hmm. Like Kyo, for example, I remember his name now. So I will say this right for someone who's like old and jaded like me and also not of the right sex, you know, as it was intended for the audience, I still like this work coming in as I have done at this particular point. I think that speaks volumes. Like, that it can still appeal just by having genuine hearts to it. Yeah. And also, Solid humor as well. I mean, we've got Knife Lady who, you know, will oh, kill oh, you if you so much as look at Soru the wrong way. This is another example of what I feel like is like the throwback anime comedy. <laughs> the, the Knife Lady. She rules. <laughs> <laughs> I love her so much. The friends, the best friends are like, man, I haven't loved a group of like best buddies since Orange. <laughs> like high school best buddies <laughs> like this. I want them to have as much screen time as possible. As much as I love the Soma boys, like the the two best friends are are fantastic. And 
e- um, eagerly anticipating the moment that they get invited over. I mean, I'm looking forward to the potential of that episode where they end up there and like just giving each other the fucking eyes and shit. Like, it's going to be good stuff. I'm looking forward to it's it. It's going to be great. So, it's going to be great. And like, yeah, the I, I I do feel, you know, that like you said, this that synthesis of comedy and and drama. Like it works so well because you get disarmed by it, and the hmm. the punches hit harder because you've let your guard down. So, yeah, I I wish I could say like I could like, you know, say like oh here's how it is compared to the original or whatever. But I haven't seen it. But I think maybe I don't know maybe maybe that's a good endorsement that like we have no nostalgia for the material and we think it's fantastic. Hmm. I agree. So yeah, definitely check that one out if you've already done so. Especially if you've, even if you haven't seen, you know, the, or don't have much familiarity with the material as I didn't, mm-hmm. or if you do, do it anyway. Um, it's definitely worth your time. So fruits basket, we're done with that. Mm-hmm. Let's now talk about who is Keo, by the way. Which one is Keo? I'm sorry, that'd be the cat. Okay, so Orange. yeah, Monira asked how the performance is. Uh, Uchida, uh, that's uh, Ash, isn't it? You, I believe it might be. <laughs> Man, play, what a play, different role. <laughs> uh, I think he's great. I, I think he's genuinely so wait, great. Wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that Yumi Uchida is playing a character who's often described in cat-like terms, <laughs> who is often very belligerent and shouting. Stop mm, it. Stop I'm, it. Sensing, I'm sensing a lot of similarity. <laughs> it's like he's, you know, made for these roles. Who the fuck Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, did, I mean, didn't he also play Hayate on Macross Delson? Did he not also dress as a cat person at some point? Oh my god! All fucking, it all fits. It's connected. It all fits. Yeah, yeah. But he he does the really good, like um, uh, like I'm blushing, scratching the back of my head, kind of kicking my feet around, voice. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm sort of half apologizing for something I did that was stupid. Like when he's kind of in that, when he's in that. He's really good <laughs> as as uh, as Kyo here. So yes, very good. Um, yeah. To answer your, to answer your question, Yuki, uh, no, not seeing Carolyn Tuesday yet. No, if I can. No. I'll try and slot in if I can. If I can uh, pick it up somewhere between you know watching the good shows and the one that we will not talk about right. Now. What we will talk about right now, though, there's your tangent. Yep. There's your segue. That's good, bro. Because I'm good at this shit. Uh, is Demon Slayer? So, like. You know, it's good to see UFO Table doing something that's not fate-related for once. <laughs> but I do feel bad for them, given what they're currently going through right now. And when I say that, I mean I feel bad principally for the animators and the people doing the actual work, as opposed to, you know, the uh, suits. Because in case you weren't aware, UFO Table are currently looking to be owing about 40 million yen in unpaid taxes. Oh, yeah, that's right. And apparently, on That's top right. of that, they also misappropriated funds given to them following the 2011 uh, earthquake disaster in Japan. I can't remember the specific name of it. You all know which right. one it is. So yeah, uh, so, yeah um, fake dodge taxes. You know the jokes write themselves here, man. I, I mean, who who the fucking thought the Wolf of Wall Street was a heroic spirit? But hey, you know, <laughs> Jesus. I mean, well, here's the thing, right? Like, if you want my opinion on fate in general, 
like at least as far as the animated shows that I've seen, which don't include the Dean one because that's like before my time. Um, I like them a lot, surprisingly enough. I think there's a lot of meat to this story, despite the obvious trappings and pitfalls it has of here's a random, you know, personality formless, you know, gormless shithead. Uh, and all the women want him and talk to him and like him for ostensibly no good reason because he's got the endearing qualities of wallpaper paste. But funnily enough, that's actually the point a lot of the time in this in Fate. Um, I especially appreciate yeah. how in, in Fate in general, like Shiro's morality, which is usually purely lawful good, gets completely crapped on in favour of, you know, a little bit of pragmatism. He goes through the Emma thing from Promised Neverland in a little way. But one of the other reasons that I like Fate quite a lot uh, despite its obvious shortcomings, is the fact that UFO Table are the studio doing it because all the times they've animated that stuff, it's been uh, absolutely incredible. Some minor goofs here and there, like, of course, in the closing episode of the Lucy Blade Works, where Rin suddenly turns into Mr. Tickle and manages to extend herself across the entire length of the table because they didn't stage it properly. <laughs> oh, no. like she's, literally, she's literally one inch away from Shiro's face, points again, but the table is literally this long. So how did that happen? Did, did, like, did she just go, 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 gadget arms and poke yep. him? Bit, bit weird, but... Used a, yeah, they used a seal to make yeah. that odd stretch. <laughs> but yeah, they do a really good job of animation. Like, they handle fight scenes really, really well, even if they do use, admittedly, a little too much stock noise for my, mm. for my taste. Like, I remember watching, I think, the Lancer versus Archer fight from the start of Unlimited Blade Works, and there was a clanking noise, and I was like, where have I heard that before? It's from Half-Life 2, and you start throwing <laughs> fire around the planet of them. It's the exact same stock noise. Awesome. I'm like, oh, That's fuck's great. sake, guys. Can you not, did you spend all the money on the budget? Did you just blow it all? Just like, ugh, Jesus. Bye. Yeah, they Rent the soundboard. <laughs> Quick. <laughs> Free sound <laughs> Yes, exactly. But yeah, uh, they do a really good job of animation and fight scenes, and that's what's making me really excited for this show as it starts to get into high gear. I mean, when I saw the uh, OP that premiered at the end of episode one, I was like, right, I'm in. You fucking sold me. You've got a dude with a beautifully animated water katana. Cut your shit up. I'll watch the show for that, even if they don't say anything. It looks great. But it's not just about looking good, though, this show, I should stress. Uh, it does have the greatest, you know, uh, how should we say, back-of-the-net football goal ever. <laughs> uh, we'll have to get to oh. that in a moment, because we need to establish some context first. But it is, yeah. like, I mean, Fruits Basket was funny, but this was so concentrated funny. And I'm not entirely sure if they intended it to be funny or not, but I laughed my ass off. I had to pause the episode when it happened. So, yeah, Demon Slayer, what's Demon, what's Demon Slayer about? Wait. Go on. Shadon will tell you what Demon Slayer is all about after the break. We're back. Thank you for hey. your patience. <sighs> now, ah, uh, man, man. Um, before before we do that, actually, I need to. I think it's now a good time to uh, talk about some breaking news that I've spotted on Twitter. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Oh dear. Um. Let's see. I don't... One second, I need to find the tweet. But, uh... Is America at war with Iran yet? No. Uh... You sounded disappointed, but anyway. No, uh, no. No, I'm disappointed at the situation. I don't want there Mm. to be a war, just to be clear. Mm. Mm. So, um... I don't know if any of you know the name of Kazuhiko Kato, and I again apologize if I'm mispronouncing that name. 
Uh, he goes by the name Monkey Punch, the mm. creator of Lupin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sadly passed away on April the 11th. No. At the age of oh, 81. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. That's, um, that sucks, man. That really sucks. Yeah. That's yeah, sad. He, yeah. Seen that confirmed in a couple of articles here. Yeah, he suffered from pneumonia, apparently. Hmm. But yeah, um, man, like, I don't know if, I mean, a lot of the people who currently listen to us these days may not potentially be aware of our earlier work, but we mm-hmm. did do a podcast on Lupin the Third, The Woman Named Fushiko Mine, uh, which I thought was magnificent. I thought it was brilliant. Oh, yes. And while it wasn't quite as prevalent in that particular iteration of Lupin as it is elsewhere, one of the things I always liked about the characters was this kind of anarchic energy that almost felt like God, I mean, best describe it like it was from the 50s or 60s. Like, mm-hmm. had that almost Tom and Jerry S. little bit of slapstick to it. Yeah. I mean, there's that infamous, you know, gif going around of uh, Fujiko Mine from one of the earlier shows escaping, uh, being locked up on a plane. And it's just <laughs> complete anarchy. But it's great. Yeah. And, man, like, for what essentially is just a very basic concept of here's a thief and he goes around stealing stuff with his, you know, kooky gunslinger and, you know, Samurai and samurai friend, uh, you know, with the samurai assist- friend. That's right. Yes, exactly. And with the occasional assistance of you know uh, Fujiko, there's something like that, which is just really dirt simple. It's just basic, you know. Anti-hero goes around nicking stuff with the cop behind him all the way. He's constantly unable to catch our hero. Mm-hmm. Like it was such a fucking good show and such a great execution of the concept. I didn't regrettably see the most recent Lupin, which came out, I think it was last year, the one which actually had him dealing with fucking cryptocurrency of all. Yes, yes, <laughs> the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which of which, you know, the internet is clearly ill-prepared for Lupin. I mean, for all the spam it you want, he'll handle it. He'll sorry, but yeah, um, rest in peace, uh, Kazuhiko Kato. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, he made a thing that, I don't know how much he's been involved with the anime side of it, if at all, especially in recent mm-hmm. years, but uh, but damn, like, that thing he made has been a vehicle for all kinds of uh, really fantastic television and, and movies. Um, and yeah, since that's his baby, you know, I mean, <sighs> yeah, he'll be missed. Um, this is a sad loss, but we're, we're losing... We're losing so many greats in the anime game in the last few years. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a shame. Um, how do we uh, how do we segue back to to Demon Slayer? <laughs> Lupin began as a manga. We're going to talk about something that began as a manga right now. Okay, I don't know anything about the manga, but at least no, I've got to skip that. Either, but that's a, we still had the tangent. We made it work. So here's the thing, right? Like, there's a lot of fantasy stories, or even just science fiction or stories in general, that have an opening something a little bit like this. Mm-hmm. There's a family, and the family can be two parents and the kid, or it can be many kids. The kid is fairly bright, you know, he's got a happy life ahead of him, he's doing something simple, he's a hard worker, maybe he works on a farm. Something, you know, simple, roughshod, salt of the earth. A moisture farm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 
And that kid then one day, for a complete coincidence, is not home. And some horrific tragedy befalls his family and wipes them out. Some evil maligned force has arisen that has taken away his, you know, their family from them and now threatens the land. And then steps in the wizened old mentor who's like, come with me. Not if you want to live, because that's a different thing. But come with me, and I'll help you make things right. How many stories can you think of that might have, you know, had that formula? I mean, we've already mentioned one of them, Star Wars. And so here's me with 30-plus years of watching television and various and consuming various fiction behind me. And I'm watching the opening half of the first episode of Demon Slayer. And I'm like, they're so fucks. Right. They're right. so fucked. They're so fucked. Every single one of them is fucking dead. I'm just like, god damn it. And if you wanted to criticize it, you know, for being that kind of cliched opening, I'd argue you might want to. You are half right. But yeah. it depends again, like what you do. If it cliches themselves aren't inherently bad, it's just if you then decide not to do anything with it. And so, yes, indeed. Uh, Tanjiro, our lead hero's name, he comes back after selling charcoal in town to find his family has been massacred by demons. Except one. His younger sister. Uh, Nesco. Nesco, yes. I almost said Nizumi, but that was the rat boy. And it's not even the rat boy from Fruits Basket. It was the name I gave to my Persona 5 characters because I thought I'd be clever and try and look up the name of famous Japanese thieves. Then it turned out I got referenced to a fucking question later on, which was... Really, really weird and kind of fourth wall breaking. But anyway, it just, means, it just means rat. <laughs> yeah, like, rat boy. Yeah, right. uh, yeah, rat boy. That's what I went with. So, <clears throat> Nezuko is alive. And Nezuko is turning into a demon. And we're not talking, you know, Solid Snake. Or I'm not Solid Snake, sorry. Big Boss turning into a demon. We're talking like, you know, <laughs> full-blown fans, taste of human flesh. And, you know, massively increased strength. And so, Tanjiro... He doesn't, of course, want to kill her. He's trying to fight her off, bring her back round. Yeah. And despite all his efforts, he's eventually overpowered. But then steps in, um, you know, the Mensa we talk, well, not the Mensa specifically, but an outside force, a gentleman with a wonderfully named Demon Slayer Blade, because I love that this little thing was just like patterned on there. Like, what did he buy that at the store? Was it clearly labeled for his convenience? Yes. The local novelty (laughs) shop. Absolutely. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't want the dragon slaying one, or he didn't want you know the one used for mopping carpets. He wanted you know, <laughs> he wanted the one that killed fucking demons, and it, and he got what he was after. So, good on that. Good on that. So, uh, I don't remember this gentleman's name. Partially, it's kind of slipped my mind already. Uh, really, should probably pay more attention. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember either. Um, yeah, I didn't remember but... the main character's name. Only Nezuko because he shouts it about you know a dozen times each episode. <laughs> yeah. There's your, there's your drinking game for Demon Slayer, folks. <laughs> you want to play as you go along. There you go, yeah. Make sure it's a fairly weak spirit, because you'll probably mm-hmm. do yourself serious harm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So this gentleman comes in and says, she's a demon, you got to fucking kill her. And Tanjiro, after a long discussion, fights back. And he loses, because he, you know, is only some random, you know, woodcutting kid as opposed to this guy who's armed with a fucking sword and clearly well-trained, but shows his own talent by managing to catch him off guard by a hatchet throw that he did before throwing himself in the line of fire. And that causes this gentleman to reconsider. Maybe there's something to this kid. And he's what got he, spunk. Know. Yep, he's got spunk, yes. He's got some fucking spunk in. And when he wakes up, 
he finds that Nezuko has been gagged with this little like log vessel log thing that is also, I think, restraining her demonic side a little bit. I'm not 100 sure on that. I'm sure that this will be explained. Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll have to be something to explain. And he's told, right, meet this gentleman, and we will give you the tools you need to fight, you know, the demons and kill them off. And there's your episode. There's your episode done. So. Why did I tell you all about that, you know, very stereotypical fantasy opening of the family dies, uh, you know, and then the hero gets mentored into, you know, seeking revenge or justice, whatever you call it. Because oftentimes it is the entire family that dies. And then it's just, you know, them holding the, well, sort of holding back the protagonist from them progressing down this path otherwise, living a life of relative boredom and simplicity. Right. Well, that's not quite the case here because Nezuko still lives. And this instead is used to form the theme of the show so far, which I hope it does continue to develop, which is Beware ye who fight monsters, lest ye become one. Think about it. The demons in this show just murder en masse, devour, you know, people alive. But the demon hunters that we meet or have met so far are cruel, cruel, cruel and callous in their own way. Yeah. They don't believe, for example, that Nesco can be saved, despite the fact that we do see very clear evidence that the human side of her is still there. And it makes you then think to yourself, you know, is it gets to points where having fought demons for so long, you don't have your own humanity left anymore. You just become a cold-blooded killing machine. And to be fair, that's not to say, you, like, this is like similar to the Promised Neverland for me, like, it's the kind of thing where you are meeting in the middle. But it is very explicitly called out in the second episode that Tanjiro's kindness is, you know, holding him back from doing what is necessary. Uh, he fights a demon who, in the second episode, who to me looks a hell of a lot like one of Dio's underlings from uh, Phantom Blood. Huh. I, like, seriously, if, if Zeppeli had been fighting that guy, it would have looked no, not even a shred out of place. It would have fit perfect. Which one? In, uh, in episode two. Oh, the, the bag, yes, <laughs> yes, totally. He, to- he totally, mm-hmm. he totally is a JoJo's phantom blood villain. I'm, I'm literally, I'm, I'm literally stunned he wasn't called something like Anthrax or something like that. But yeah, uh, in fighting this dude, uh, Tanjiro does win in the end by pinning him against the tree. The demons, by the way, disintegrate somewhat, and... which I didn't know before it happened. Thank God, that's a get out of jail free card for Tanjiro. Hmm. And as a result of him refusing to kill this demon by, like, you know, smashing his head in with a rock, uh, he disintegrates his sunlight, which arguably is more painful than just simply smashing his head in, but regardless. This dude, though, was a cold-blooded shithead. He was just, you know, chomping on the, you know, a couple of people in the temple. And, yeah, what we see in the same episode is Nezuko gets involved. Uh, she's not just a passive agent in all this, by the way. You might think that she's just going to be, you know, a little more than a dog that he tags around with him to try and, you know, deferral her. But in between, you know, her drooling over, you know, dead people in the temple as something to eat, Tanjiro is pinned outside by this demon. And in the most amazing, you know, Liverpool 1, Manchester United nil moment ever. I know you like that. Uh out of nowhere, she runs up and kicks his head off. It was incredible. Because <laughs> you just don't see it coming, but like the way it shot. He sure as shit didn't. No, I mean, he's just like, uh, he's bearing down on on uh, Tanjiro and ne- 
I've already forgotten her name. I'm almost going to... Nezuko. I almost said Nezumi there, too. You've infected me. Your rat boy poison. Um, Sorry. <laughs> uh, is just sort of standing there, like, kind of tears leaking out because it's fighting is happening again, so we're kind of her two inner natures are fighting each other uh, internally. And he's about... The demon is going to pin down uh, her brother. And just she just... <laughs> into the shot and like she comes in so fast but when they when the kick happens there's like, like stop on it and it's just it looks so it's so funny man like the fact that after she kicks his head off the, the fact that what happens later happens I feel like is confirmation that yes they understand that this is funny and they're trying to be darkly comic about all this <laughs> I, I it works one way or the other. I I had a good chuckle at that, and I do feel like I have to go back and edit in some actual football commentary over it. Find you know like a recent <laughs> you know Premier League match, slot that commentary in over it. It'll be perfect. Um, but this is the point where Mister Karasi from King of Fighters turns. No, no, <laughs> the Tengu mask. Same Tengu oh, mask. The By the way, knows. there's. Yes, uh, he is a colossal dick to be fair, so that's not surprising. But uh, like this also is again your evidence of you know maybe they're not so different you and I being going on here because he is obviously wearing the mask of Tengu, which are a form of demon Japanese culture. At least I think they are, from what I remember. They are. Please don't come. Please, please don't come kicking down my door (laughs) if it's. I'm willfully ignorant. They're like one of the most well-known yokai, like in top three. I feel like top three are. Tengu, uh, Kitsune, and uh, Kappa. Hmm, we just need a kit. No, there is actually a Kitsune show. Shit, we've got the fucking triple triad here. <laughs> yeah. Although that one apparently is not great, so fuck that. But anyway, <clears throat> so he turns up and says, Right, okay, I don't know if I'm ready to train this kid. Not because there's too much anger in him, as it turns out, but quite the opposite, too much kindness, because he wasn't willing to mercy kill this demon fucker at the temple. Uh, he's- and so he sets him a test. Go up down, down this mountain and come back to me before night. And it's completely full of traps. And Tanjiro initially is, you know, he's struggling with this. He can't breathe because the air is too thin. Right. But he manages to focus himself and actually overcome the test. Barely. He is battered and bruised and bloody. And what I really appreciate about this whole thing is that during this time, uh, Mr. Karate, again, I forget his name, so I'm going to have to fill in with, you know, the fake name here. Uh, he does look after Nezuko. He gets us a shell to get out of the sunlight and puts us to bed. Doesn't kill her if it doesn't do anything towards her. He does look after her. And I think that's going to be a running thing throughout the show going forward from what merely what Mills I've seen so far of it, which is, you know, what lines do we cross in fighting evil? Do we let our humanity go? Do we forget about that basic element of us that we can care for each other? You know, can Nezuko actually be saved in the event that she does go fully demon? Will Tanjo then make the right choice? Yeah, whatever that may be. What about the people he studies with and trains with? Because we've already met two people who, you know, made decisions against their better nature as demon hunters to preserve Nesco's life. So there's ambiguity being introduced here in what otherwise is fairly black and white, which is demons bad, we good, we kill demons, that's that. And that in itself could make for a fun show if it's just a gory action run. But there's more to it with Demon Slayer in this case, which I do appreciate. I'm just waiting, of course, for UFO to be able to cut loose with their action animation and show us some fucking nice effects. 
I especially yeah. appreciate by the way they don't look fakey CG these either. They actually look genuinely quite good. Yeah, there there's not. I I haven't noticed a lot of like yeah CG poking <laughs> through the cracks or like any obvious. But then again, that's not my strong suit. It only when it's really egregious and things like Neverland or uh, shit you just talked about it, the a the sci-fi one, the right answer, Kato. Um, oh boy! <laughs> so no, I didn't notice it here. Um, damn, I have a lot to say about this show. Uh, it's a little disjointed. So first of all, I really want to cosplay as Tanjiro because that fucking like. B- Giant head wound and all. Well, the seafoam green and black, like, checked robe is fucking dope. Like, the most <laughs> styling dude of whenever this era was. Like, I don't I actually don't know what the setting is, but um, it's that, I guess, like, Sekiro-ish <laughs> setting of, you know, samurai. <laughs> I, was this, I, I, miss, I missed the chance to make that joke, actually. This was Sekiro anime, but never mind. Mm. That's okay. Um, we we gotta not go for that low hanging of a fruit. I mean, come on, you have standards, I have standards. We've talked about this. I don't. <laughs> I protest. Of course, verily, I do protest. <laughs> so, so, like this show, I, I, there's like a very specific feel that that after the first episode, I was like, man, this is really going for this, like samurai fighting yokai in the snow in in the midst of like dead trees in the woods i feel mm-hmm. like is a very kind of specific aesthetic that i mean this it, this was just so evocative like i loved all that imagery mm. I, it was just fantastic but then like it added to it like those kinds of things tend to be a little bit on the brutal side um and this, you, I sort of thought like, okay, this is going to be kind of an uncompromising show in that way. Because you see, you know, the bloodied family torn apart and it looks awful. Mm. Um, and it's like, oh, Jesus, like this is going to be, this is going to be really rough. But the reason why I think the end of the first episode didn't feel as cliche to me is because it was that's this samurai, this ninja, this demon fighting thing, which again is just so violent and brutal for the main character to then like take a turn towards like radical empathy, right? Um, in a sort of mob esque way. Gonna relate everything to mob since I just finished it. Yeah. But like <laughs> uh you know, Tanjiro saying, like, I know that you like have your rules and the system that you follow, but like, here's this person that nobody is going to have any empathy for, but like I do, and I won't let violence be done to her, regardless of what you think she is, what role she occupies in your kind of worldview. Mm. Like, yeah, it's so fucking good. It's so good, and they and they, like you said, all the elder. Uh, Demon Slayer people are just like, it's only going to be a matter of time. It's only going to be a matter of time. But but so far, so good. Um, uh, Tanjiro is the handiest motherfucker. 
also, because he, like, makes a papoose out of shit that's just lying around somehow to carry (laughs) Nezuko around. Um, Also, did you mention that when uh, the demon's head was kicked off, it grew its own limbs back to walk around? Yeah, it grew a pair of arms. Like, it really is Dio from JoJo's Phantom (laughs) Fall. Yeah. Like... Uh, man, and, and... You kick my head off, you fuck! <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I'm curious, so, at the end of episode two, like you said, uh, Tanjiro is faced with this dilemma, and his would-be master, at the end of the episode, he says, like, I'll be your master, so it's his, his master, but at this point in time, not yet, you know, he says, you're too indecisive, you won't make a decision, you won't take action, that's gonna kill you, because... He can't bring himself to murder the demon, you know, because and it's consistent with his values in a way, right? Like, I mean, Nezuko mm-hmm. hasn't killed anyone, so I guess you could say there's a difference there, but, like, he just sees he can only concentrate on the suffering it's going to cause this demon to hit him with a rock over and over until he dies. Can't just stab him, he has to crush him. But he mm-hmm. got he was lucky that the sun came up, but like you say, there's gonna be this situation that occurs later where hopefully it occurs later that he's not gonna have like the trapdoor escape that he's that there's gonna have to be something's gonna have there's gonna be a cost to either sticking with his beliefs or not. And I'm curious to see how that will go, like what that cost will be, how that will affect Tanjiro, how mm. it could affect uh, his relationship with Nezuko, all that good stuff. Um, Yuki, god damn it, man. I mean, he, like, I was going to bring this up later, but now that Yukinon's made that comment, I have, to, I have to point something out. So, looking at comments online, in forums, is generally a mistake. It's genuinely, like, a bad idea. Yes. Every time I have looks, for example, at the comments on Crunchyroll uh, for certain episodes of anything, they've always been utterly facepalming. With that in mind, may I present to you something I spotted earlier when I was just looking up small details on episode two prior to this podcast. Uh, Let's see. Where was it? His sister is such a babe. Damn and then one of the people responded, bruh, she's like eight. Wait a minute. Right? No, she's not. There's no fucking way. Fourteen. Oh, I could buy that. Now, this is the comments section on Crunchyroll. But, like, no. Just, just no. Just, I, I shouldn't have looked. I, I'm very glad, by the way, I should stress, I'm not currently looking at the comments on Crunchyroll for Shield Hero. Because holy shit, I think that might actually just drive me over the edge. Yes. But yes. let's not do that. Yeah, generally speaking, I don't ever read the comments anywhere because I just don't trust them to be above the basic level of sh- gibbering shit given. So uh, there you go. No, don't do that. No. Uh, Man, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Oh. This this show, though, like, like, it did need to have this angle to it that we mentioned, you know, the ambiguity. Uh, of the situations that they present themselves in, like, you know, killing the demon, dealing with Nesco. You know, it could very be very black and white. It could just be ultraviolet hark back to 90s era anime, where it's literally just, we're going to kill all the demons. Demons get killed, blah, 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 blah. Yes. 
It could just literally be that. It could be an ultraviolet action thriller. Exactly. And, there could be. It, it, you worry about that when you hear ninja and demons. You like, it's how rapey will this be? But this is a shonen jump thing, and not quite that. Yeah. So there's more to it, Sag, which I again really appreciate. So uh, going to be keeping an eye on this one going forward. Mm-hmm. The, I should mention the director, like, is a uh, UFO table veteran. Like, he's been in charge of, like, all those Tales of adaptations that they've done, which ah. I will confess to not seeing a goddamn one of them. <laughs> but but I feel like every season for the last, like, two years, or even more than that, there's, like, the new Tales anime, uh, or the new Tales game is getting adapted. Um, and yeah, he's done all those, and I don't know what the viewership has been like. I do know that they look really pretty. Um, so this is not this guy's like first time out in terms of making an action thing. Mm. I eagerly look forward to seeing more of it. Right, final show we're going to talk about. Before we end up on a bit of a low note here for a variety of reasons, which is One Punch Man season two. Okay. So, if you want my Cliff Notes summary of why I thought of One Punch Man Season 1, I do think I actually include it as my top 10 of all time. I think it's a masterpiece. I think there's so much to unpack in it that people don't give it credit for, like how it takes, you know, the piss out of, you know, the hero industry, you know, what it yeah. means to actually be a hero and heroism, you know, the power itself is not the defining attribute that makes you the best or strongest hero. Uh, it's also legitimately funny, and the action scenes in it for what otherwise should be something very stale and very dry of a character who literally can destroy anything in one hit. But always great to watch the fight between Seismer and Boros at the end of season one. Fucking masterclass, showcase moment in modern animation. Yeah. Even though we all knew what was going to happen in the end. Come on, the show's title makes it clear. Yeah. So here's the thing, right? I'm always going to be one of those people who protests or preaches that good scripts should come first before good animation. That I will, you know, prefer a show that doesn't have great animation, but the script is solid. This is a show that looks magnificent and has a crappy script. I will. I still believe, but having seen what's happened to One Punch Man and its transition away from Madhouse to the current guys making it, whose names I don't even know. Is it JC staff? It might be, yeah. Like, it's painful. It is painful to see, like, this show degrade, or this property degrade so much. You'd figure, given how successful One Punch Man Season 1 was, that they would have taken extra pains to make sure that it was in a good, you know, set of hands. Given its prestigious property, you know, nature's a property, but apparently not. Which, that really makes me sad. And the worst thing is, like, in watching episode one, I got the pervasive sense watching it that no one cared. The material didn't pop. Mm. It felt like business as usual to me. Interesting. The the episode's title is The Hero Return. And this is like, you know, the return of, like, One Punch Man to animation after, what, three years of absence? Uh, Four? But it feels like... Four even? I think it but, was 2015. Yeah. I mean, it just feels like so pedestrian. There's no fanfare to any of it. 
it doesn't open with like the episode opens so plainly like they never left like in the sense like oh they're going Genos and like you know Seismer are going out shopping I'm like this is not the you know the breakneck pace or the starting gunshot that should have brought One Punch Man back it didn't feel special as an episode to me it didn't feel like it you know got things going mm-hmm. I mean the animation is one thing, certainly, but I just felt like this material in it was just a bit... Eh. Hmm. Like, I mean, I could quibble about certain contrivances, like King being, you know, the seventh s rank guy, even though I'm fairly certain he didn't exist in season one. I mean, this, it's a manga adaptation, so maybe I'm misremembering something here. Maybe he was in the manga and was more properly established. But to have him leapfrog all that, you know, all those ranks... When, you know, the Heroes Association now know who Seismer is and what he's capable of, bearing in mind that he did, you know, fucking nuke Boros into, you know, wallpaper paste. Like, it seems a bit daft for what is essentially, you know, oh, he's taking all the credit. I'm like, I mean, maybe there's going to be more of this later on with, you know, the fact that it just shows that the Heroes Association are really irresponsible because they're not protecting innocent people, you know, because King's life is in very real danger throughout much of this. But, I don't know, something about this episode just felt like it had no energy to it. Mm. About the one thing that this episode does better than season one, the only thing I can think of is that Genos finally gets to fight someone and actually win. That's an upgrade, yeah. That is, that is I, I mean, Genos was turning into the wharf of this uh, <laughs> right. of this show. But, yeah, like, you know, he gets in, has a fight, and he just loses. And For, uh, like, To make a different analogy, he's the Hiroki Goto. Of, of anime, I had to go with Star Trek. So I don't know that. I don't know the fuck that is. He's he's the Dan Hibiki, the, the, the Hercule Satan. Oh no, 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 no! He's not a fraud. <laughs> like, uh, that's the Hercule Satan is fucking king. <laughs> yeah, this is true. But like, I, I was watching the fight. Like when Genos appeared on screen, though, I honestly. I honestly just thought, what the fuck's happened here? The metal, like, colouring, the metal-like shading for his arm, it looks like it was done using the the fucking spray can tool in Microsoft Paint. Mm. That's how pathetic it looks. It looked awful. And I think back to that scene where Genos, like, you know, fights Cytor in Season 1, in, I think, Episode 5 it was, after the... Heroes Association test, you know, like where they have the really great scenes of Seismer just acing all of those tests. Except the fact he's a fucking idiot, but anyway. Like, and then seeing him fight and then like looking how fluid all looked, looking how powerful he came across as. Mm-hmm. I look at this and I think, I've seen better stuff scrawled on the side of subway stations than this shit. Come on! I wouldn't have minded so much if this was perhaps a lesser known property or a brand new one that you know, didn't have the prestige of the one coming before it. But it's just kind of shocking to me. And in case you think I'm being pedantic here just about how it looks, a lot of what made One Punch Man season work comedy-wise was its animation. How snappy everything looked. Like, when Sison was trying to chase the fly in season yeah. in episode two. That was like, very good. That worked because of how well it was animated. Mm-hmm. You get to see this guy who we've just had established as godlike parody cannot kill a fucking insect. And then, of course, he swats one away with ease later on. <laughs> like, I again go back to my previous statement. 
a good script over good animation any day if I had to choose one or the other. But it really does go to show how important animation can be in elevating good material to greatness. Mm-hmm. I will give credit for one other thing, though. I like King's design, if only because he legitimately does look like he's walked off the pages of Hoku Snow Ken. <laughs> That's clearly what they were going for, and it works. Oh my god, he really does. And, uh, he really does look like a Hoku Snow Ken character, and it works. The rest of it, I'm just kind of uh, on. And I'll have to see how things pan out. But, oh, don't do this to me, Yuki. You're in my good books for having done the fan art, you know, of us looking like Kappa. Don't make me think of this fucking alternate nightmare hellscape timeline where Sarah's and I was directed by the person who did fucking Elf and Lead or some shit. Or it was made by B-Train. Please, never. never. No. No, thank you. Get that away from my mind. Okay. Um, One Punch Man Season 2. Uh, I liked it. I thought it was fine. Um, I think, you know, like you alluded to, I think it's a victim of expectations. Um, and, and not that, you know, we all knew, right? Whoops. I didn't mean to block the camera there. I, I think coming in, we all knew what, what had happened, but I mean, expectations set up at the end of season one you know for a long time people were excited mm. at the potential of what a second season could be if it looked similar or the same um i don't know like i i don't get me wrong i loved the animation of one punch man season one i thought it was was fantastic um i you know they were giving one properties really really good treatment um and but I thought, like, that the heart of the writing from season one still came across in season two. Like, I think the whole story of King getting elevated to, like, a godlike status while not having you know, any ability to speak of, um, like, it, it speaks to, and it is just another kind of riff on, like, the idea put forward in season one that like mm-hmm. systems suck <laughs> and like the hero association as kind of governmental or any other kind of societal system, like an allegory for that. Like it's just shitty and people that are really deserving are, are not going to get uh, placed where they can do the most good because of arbitrary mm-hmm. goals and tests and red tape while popularity contests yes while people who know how to work the system will reap the most benefits despite not being the most um meritorious or most well suited or able to do the most good for people um so i, I thought that was there and i really enjoyed saitama like how he interacted with king and how he like i thought it was very one right you have a, a very reagan in a way like it's like hey are you gonna play the video game yet yeah the like, I, game. i'm not mad at you game? yeah i'm not mad at you like like i get it like i have shit that i'm dealing with too and i just need someone to hang out with and how he won over another devoted <laughs> disciple basically <laughs> just just by like being understanding um when whenever anyone else i feel would 
be in the right to just be like, you motherfucker, you took all my deserved credit and fuck you, you're a fraud. You know what I mean? Like, mm. um, so I enjoyed the material. Um, and I mean, you certainly notice that the animation is not as good. But like I was saying earlier, like, I just don't have an eye for this stuff, I think. Like, nothing struck me as particularly terrible. Uh, I you mean, you could notice that... Not even like, Genesis Banksy arm. <laughs> not really. It didn't bother me. But, like, I, I mean, you could notice they weren't doing the things, the wild stuff they were doing in Season 1. But I, I didn't think anything that was on my screen was particularly awful. Um, you know, and, and but because I guess I have a little bit of a contrarian in me. Like I, like I've sought out like shows that supposedly the storyline was good, but the animation is so like this show has fucking nothing. And I know it has a name and expectations, but let me just tell you, watch, go watch the violinist of Hamelin TV series. I watched, (laughs) I watched that shit because people involved with berserk worked on it the 97 Berserk, and because uh, the director of uh, Giant Robo and G Gundam, for some reason I can't remember his name, but um, uh, and Tetsujin 28 uh, and Get a Robo, Armageddon, the first three episodes, like, he worked on this Violinist of Hamlin adaptation and Mike Toole described it as barely animated. And it's fucking true. Like, it is some PowerPoint I, shit, but the story is to... great, and it's Man. a good show. <laughs> well, it is pretty much exactly like Berserk 97 then, funnily enough. It is mm-hmm. barely animated, but it has a good story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, That's fair. That's fair. Um, I just, I, I don't know. This is something that's based more on feeling rather than any objectives. You are entirely correct in your assessment of the material. But there just wasn't anything that popped in this episode. It didn't feel like anything special. Like they're like it didn't feel like the boys are back in town. Like we've got the band back together. <laughs> it just felt like reference. it just felt like back. Hi, we're here. Hello. Yeah, that it did feel like it had enthusiasm. Yeah, and I'll be fair. I will be very fair. Like as Felix pointed out in the chat, I am aware again via osmosis that you know. This was an uphill struggle for the studio in question. They didn't have a lot of time. They're not Madhouse. Madhouse are a fantastic studio. Yeah, That's not me being rude to them, but just stating the truth. It just is such a shame for material, you know, of this caliber, this heritage and this prestige to be, you know, let down like this. It feels in a little bit to me like what's happened with season five of JoJo's, uh, part five specifically. Which I have, by the way, now dropped because I just got bored. Of it. Oh man! I know that. I know that's oh, heresy man. right there. That's a fucking. That's... Whew, that's a blazing hot take. The the fucking anime is lit. People are gonna come for you. <laughs> they are some. They love JoJo's <laughs> so much. <laughs> maybe they're. Well, maybe they stand the manga for this art more than the anime. I don't know. But well, I haven't heard anybody say anything bad about it. Is it bad? It's dull. Like. The thing about part four is that, like, there was always something different going on. Like, there wasn't really an overarching goal with the story, apart from two elements, which was, um, well, Chili Pepper's fucking guy, I don't remember his name, uh, and, of course, Yoshikage Kira, but there were other 
little vignettes here and there. You know, you had the let's go to the Italian diner one. Let's have the Cinderella one. Let's have Yukiko try and kidnap Koichi and all that shit. Like, there was a lot of individual elements that going on to it that kept things fresh. The motivations for people doing stuff in JoJo's Part 5 are so fucking weak. It's like, we want, I want to stop drugs in the city. Okay, cool. And then when they get, get to the boss, finally, the boss decides to kill, fucking kill them all anyway, or at least kill Butrassi and his daughter. And I'm like, oh, well, that's a very nice way to have, you know, no requirement to explain to your, you know, underlings, Butrassi, why they now need to kill the boss. Because this fucking darky 15-year-old purple coat-wearing kid convinced you that drugs are bad after all this time. Weak motivations is all I'm saying. Uh, I was I was like, jeez, really? Oh, by the way, I'm just going to point this out as well. Giorno is a crappy protagonist because he doesn't do shit throughout most of the show. Aww. Like, Bucciaretti is easily the more superior protagonist of the group. He feels like the one who's actually got agency behind him and is doing things. And his power set is infinitely more interesting than Giorno's, which is, I can make living things out of inanimate objects. Like, Bucciaretti's is creative. He likes zip lines literally down a lift, like an elevator shaft using it. And he hides a phone in his neck with it. Like, that's some creative shit. I like that. Wait a minute. He hides a phone in his neck? He can make zips that, like, he can into alternate dimensions. Oh. That's, like, yeah. sort of gross and weird and interesting. It's <laughs> so cool. It's super cool. He does some cool shit with it. And I'm just here, like, boring. Oh, also, Trish is fucking useless. Like, I have a real pet peeve when they have a female character in there who doesn't, like, who just exists mostly for eye candy and doesn't do shit all. I think she's had maybe, like, up until the point where, you know, her father tries to offer maybe about ten lines. Can we not have her do something more here? Is that a bit unreasonable for me to ask for? I'm not expecting her to be, like, you know, the fucking uber heroine mensch, whatever you want to call it. I'm not expecting to be a Mary Sue or some shit. I'm expecting to have at least something to fucking do. Now, I'll grant you that apparently has happened recently with some episodes where she finally pulls a fucking finger out and does shit. But she's just, like, if they were taking a fucking sack of jewels to, to Giovanni, or, or sorry, Giovanni, what am I talking about? Di- Diavolo. If they were taking a fucking sack of jewels instead of her, you wouldn't need to change anything. If they just let you want to give him a suitcase full of money, that would have had the exact same effects on the plot prior to, you know, him trying to kill her. Oh, God. I should be mad about JoJo's. I know that's heretical. But well, you can always just... just you can always just watch part six when this is over. Mm. It's just, honestly, it's just as... It feels as phoned in as a Baccio stand. Ba-da-ba-ba-da-bump. <laughs> Couldn't resist. Couldn't fucking resist. <laughs> Ah, that joke just makes itself. Anyway, that's my ad lib or mad lib, shall we say, uh, JoJo's Part Five review. Dull as fucking ditch was. Skip. Okay. Well. Oh, by the oh, by the way, no, I'm not done actually. Oh, okay. Another thing that pisses me off: Dio being Giorno's father is utterly irrelevant. (laughs) What a fucking waste of potential. I'm not again asking for a big, deep in character in you know in you know introspection here. I'm not asking for like you know soliloquies and Hamlet-like shit and oh, the sins of the fathers and all that crap. Like, it only needs to be as relevant to Jono as Joseph being Josuke's father was. Which was to say, occasionally, when we could tell a good story with it. They're not doing shit all of it here. 
Ah, such fucking waste, honestly. He's only Dio, Dio is only his father because he's someone you know. Right. Right. You remember this guy? He was important for connection's sake. <laughs> yeah, fan fan service of the you know law kind rather than you know uh, TA uh, for law reasons. <laughs> yeah, oh, and I'm just man. like. Ugh. Anyway, never mind. Never mind. Right. Well, I think we've covered any... all the shows we want to talk about. Oh, God. Actually, I was gonna say if any th- any more thoughts on One Punch before I talk about something you haven't seen. No, I'm going to... I know the next episode is out, so I'm going to watch that in a moment. Okay. Uh, and... Oh, boy. I hear it yeah, has a lot ahead. of animation directors. <laughs> Which is usually, like, the Sakuga people will point to that as, like, a, a sign of some rough going. The um, hot potato. Yeah. No, you do, you're doing this. No, you're doing this. I ain't touching that shit. You fucking do it. Or maybe, maybe they, like, a bunch of managers have to manage intensely like multiple parts of a project or something to get it to air i don't really know what it means it, it could be that to also the hot potato business uh just a really quickly wanted to mention this other show i'm watching called mix uh may say story the newest uh is it toru adachi i know adachi i think his first name is his we'll see his, the characters uh, from persona 4 no <laughs> no stop it uh this that is, is literally his name. Is it? Uh, what's his first Toru, name? Is it, oh, Toru okay. Adachi. Well, that's why I'm thinking of Toru then. Let's see. Let me Google Adachi manga, and then I can get uh, Mitsu. Why did I think of Mitsuru Adachi? <laughs> Toru Adachi. Fuck me, man. Fuck my fucking anime knowledge in this dad brain. Uh, Mitsuru Adachi, uh, well known for uh, being a really excellent writer of like coming of age teen drama stories wrapped in kind of the coding of sport uh also well known for its character designs that a lot of people don't like um and listen i'm not gonna like defend them as like incredible (laughs) because (laughs) that they are funny to look at sometimes but i mean when we're gonna like, when, when nobody's going to sit here and also take shots at, like, Osamu Tezuka for a lot of his character design. Like, it's the same, I feel, kind of... Um, uh, you could look at it as a similar kind of silliness. You're going to be like, their ears look like donuts, or whatever. Um, but uh, if you can get past any hang-ups you might have with the character designs, I feel like uh, Mitsu Adachi has like such a strong uh he's an incredible storyteller and writer you know people kind of also accuse him of playing the hits over and over um i think from what i've seen the stories are different enough um but admittedly i haven't seen a bunch and i don't like watch them back to back like i watched cross game a few years ago now and i should confess cross game is my favorite anime of all time number one when we did our uh, ranking that you can view on our YouTube. It's been number one for a long time for me, uh, for a lot of personal reasons, but also ones that aren't, because I think the anime is fucking incredible. Mix is his work. It's a pseudo sequel to an extremely popular sports anime called Touch um, from the 80s. Um, mm. That he did. Wow, that's he... a long time. Yeah. 
so that's, yeah that's why i say pseudo sequel is it like it's in the same universe like about uh you know the same school um old characters are referenced but not without notation um mm. you don't need to have seen touch uh, but the reason they can get away with it is because Touch was such a fucking institution. It was like they they reference this in Mix, but they often play music from Touch at actual baseball games in Japan because ah, like it wow. was it had it just was massive popular. That that pop culture penetration there, Jesus. Yeah, for sure. And so, like, yeah, this is this is. Where do I start with talking about Mix? So that's kind of, that's the heritage of Mix. But the show itself, I mean, if you've seen Cross Game uh, or Touch, you probably know what to expect. Um, the first couple episodes are, you know, just introducing the cast. It's about two, it's about a little family. Um, one, is three children, three teenagers. Uh a brother and a sister, I can't remember their names, but there's one brother and sister whose dad married, uh, his his spouse died, and he married the mom of this other brother. So uh. there's sort of a step, and you know, this will probably lead to some romantic tension between the 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 stepbrother and stepsister. Uh, I wouldn't oh, be boy. I wouldn't be be shocked um but you know it has not it has not delved into that at any point and I don't know like how to talk about what I like about this show cuz like what actually happens is not a lot like it could be kind of slow um I think if you are looking at a plot outline just you know, people going to school, baseball mm-hmm. practice, conversations. But uh, it's such, like, I love the characters already. Like, he's just got this knack for building these really likable characters. And they don't have to be talking all the time. There's a lot of um, scenes mm-hmm. where silence is there because it's, you know, naturally would be there. And the thing, the thing I like about Adachi's uh work or or the anime that i've seen adaptations they don't really force their feelings down your throat Mm. um you're kind of free to feel how you want about a lot of what's happening and you're you're encouraged to as well because a lot of times you'll see a situation and think well this is fucked up like this one guy is, (laughs) is a fucker but everyone knows about the situation they don't treat them that way and then you sort of will sort of learn over time like oh there's reasons for this person to be doing what they're doing and uh man it's i'm just so excited because i loved cross game so much like cross mm. game god was just everything about it uh, was so important to me at the time and so good um and you don't have to be like a big baseball fan, I don't think. I mean, it helps to know the, I guess, a little bit of the rules. They haven't really played any games yet, so I don't know if in mix they'll explain to you, you know, in notes, like what the rules are or the different situations. Um, but mm. uh, I don't think you have to be a big sports junkie. I think you just have to be a character person and want 
to see some good character writing and some good uh, coming of age stuff, some good teen drama stuff. Um, I I love it. Um, it is. It's it, there's just something special about it. That's really hard for me to put my finger on, other than mm. I, I feel like I've said a fair bit about it, but I don't think, uh, to my satisfaction, really pinpointed the things about it that I like most. It is there's just this. I don't know. There feels like there's this weight to it and this depth to it, despite it not being like the show is fucking heavy, bro. Like it's not. <laughs> like it just feels so fucking real. Um, and I don't mean like it's raw and intense. It's just like it just feels grounded. And uh, man, I just fucking love it. I love it. And uh, <laughs> watch Cross Game if you haven't. Uh, if you don't want to watch something old, uh, start watching this. It's only two episodes. So it's so it's not just a mixed bag. Is no, Mace, uh, it's not a mixed bag. It's not messe. It's really clean. It's not messe. Mm. <laughs> I, had, I had to make that joke. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll close out by telling what else I've been up to, which is I recently read, uh, talking about reading now, I read uh, Land of the Lustrous Volume 8. And, well, no spoilers, because shit gets revealed, finally, after like a point where I was starting to feel a little like tense about not finding anything out anytime soon. That we get to like volume five hundred and sixty-five before we find out Sensei's real fucking name. Um, but yeah, a lot of great stuff is revealed, and then Foss decides I'm going to use this in the worst way possible. And I'm watching these events unfold on the paper in front of me. I'm like, don't you fucking do it? You're a f- why, you fucking imbecile? Because she's you're going to ruin everything. Oh, jeez, Louise. But yeah, uh, man, I will say no more other than that if you've been waiting for answers, you'll get them. Oh. But but I will say as well, remember what I said to you all way back when at the start of the stream? Well, I might be complaining a sense about what Foss does in the, in the book. I'm not complaining in the sense that, you know, I think that it doesn't erasively make sense. I want this is all being very coy about it because I've said I was spoiled. But that's what I'm telling you. Characters can make mistakes. Catastrophic, right. stupid, bloody, ignorant, what the fuck are you thinking mistake? But as long as we understand why they came to make that course of action, it's all the, the story still continues to work just fine. And naturally, of course, it leaves on a cliffhanger that just means I have to wait another agonizing couple of months next fucking volumes get translated and released god damn it I'll probably still be reading it like you know when I'm 18 like why'd they fuck up so hard again I can't believe this shit I've been waiting all my fucking life to find out what Sensei's real deal is and he's just a wee fucking tight I don't know have you become an Irish old man somehow I'm just regressing back to my ancestral state Oh my! Well, what other shows should we be watching? Um, yeah, tell tell us uh, if any of you suggest the fucking Fire Girl anime. I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> you. I've got enough shit on my plate <laughs> dealing with Shield Hero right now. I don't need anything else bad in my life. Yuki suggested an Isekai show, a very basic nope. like. Nope. Uh, nope. Nope. <laughs> Listen, you. There's there is good Isekai. I promise. 
No. And I don't mean just ReZero, right? I mean, um, like... ReZero is deeply flawed, and I will have massive arguments about this with you at some point in the future. We will. It's a good show. The flaws and all. But I don't, oh. mean, I don't mean just that. Like, Isekai, like, before it had that name, and before the, you know, that really was a cottage industry, there has been, like, person gets transported to another world, like, anime... As far as, like, Escaflona is the first one I can think of, and that's the, a classic. The Lion, the Lion, the Witch, the, wa- the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Not anime. Get out of here. Still technically um, an isekai, though. <laughs> um, or, um, these were novels. Oh, what is it called? Twelve Kingdoms? Uh, you know, is marketed as a shoujo thing, because isekai was not like a, like a, didn't have the kind of cultural currency that it does now, but it's an isekai show, and it was fantastic. I, I wish they would animate the rest of the the books. Twelve Kingdoms just ends, and I was so mad. Like it's such a fucking good show. God, were there so even Twelve good. Kingdoms in it? Yes, yes. Ah, we good, didn't get to good. see them all. But man. oh well, fuck that then. What the fuck's the point of seeing this? If you say Twelve Kingdoms, I want my Twelve fucking Kingdoms. I ain't here for you know no three kingdoms or four kingdoms or five kingdoms. Fucking you know bullshit. I want me Twelve fucking Kingdoms. Wow, really? On on Blu-ray, Twelve Kingdoms, fucking a man. Thank God. I want to. I need to replace the DVDs. I that show could look boss in in Blu-ray, but Escaflone is probably my my top isekai, <laughs> if you want to call it that. Again, it was not labeled as such when it came out. Like I wouldn't. It doesn't sound like there's a lot of competition in that particular field. Well, listen, it's a good. I'm telling, good stuff exists. In that vein, um, I'm 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 sure. I, I mean, here's the thing, right? I'll tell you this now because, believe it or not, I will be talking about East Sky again, Shield Hero, at some point. The premise itself of someone coming from the real world to a fantasy world of some description isn't inherently a bad idea. It can be a good idea. I mean, believe it or not, Grant the Fee shouts to Grant put out a thing recently in which he said Future Arm was Isekai. and I and I read that and I felt like. <laughs> Yeah, and I felt like I, you know my soul evaporated from my body reading that. <laughs> Thanks, friend. Um, but then it was pointed out in other things like you know the Matrix is technically an isekai. If you take that concept, you know it can be done in a really interesting way. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not wrong either, and you fucking know it. Please tweet the Matrix was isekai. Someone's already done it. I would just be ripping them off. I'm just <laughs> quoting from them. But I'm not wrong, and you fucking know it. Right? So... Is it? Because... Going from one world to another, it just happens to be going from the fantasy land to the real world. You're going in reverse. It's a reverse isekai. Did you enjoy? The, did you enjoy the red pill there, Doc? <sighs> Please never say that again. <laughs> Look, right. Just just because outright fuckwits pops that phrase doesn't mean that I didn't use it in the way in which it was originally intended as a reference to the film itself. Thank you very much. <sighs> anyway, <clears throat> so as I was saying, the premise itself is not inherently inviolable. But what I find I have a big issue with is that they don't often do much with it. Like once the person gets from Earth, quote unquote to the fantasy land. The fact that they came from that previous place 
is mostly irrelevant. It doesn't matter. ReZero even had this problem. Once Subaru was there, you know, him coming being from Earth was about as relevant as, you know, his clothing. Rarely brought up and never really a big deal. In fact, that's one of the problems I have with Shield Hero, which is funnily enough something I'll again say for the inevitable, you know, uh-huh. dissertation. <laughs> the uh, the tracksuit. <laughs> Genuinely yeah. accepted wardrobe in medieval times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but like, to me, people, or rather writers, only use isekai or the idea, at least in anime. Again, you know, I'm not speaking necessarily for all of fiction here. But for me, the trend tends to be it's simply as self-insert, you know, staging. Like, you know, you could be this guy going into this world, and it's because you've got a special talent that no one else can see. But once you're in this world, you can, you know, unleash it. And I'm like, and I'm just here like, I already could give less of a fuck. Thanks, Joe. I mean, I never saw the whole thing because I, you know, don't hate myself that much. But I did once watch a Rift episode of Dog Days, which was oh. guy. Yeah. And it sucks right. balls, by the way. Okay. What a crappy show. Here's, here's the thing that I think, like, I, I feel like more isekai should, like, I feel like a lot of Not the, be shit? Well, they should not be shit, but I think a lot of the ones I've watched of recent vintage, like, it's, it really is, like, just an excuse to do a fantasy show, like you said, with a self-insert character. And they don't take advantage of, like, oh, here's this character um, who has talents and abilities they bring from their world that while... Po- maybe well, that seems, that seems maybe, that your average Taku has talents and abilities that they well, can yeah, bring, Well, no, exactly. It doesn't have to be... Well, it doesn't have to be... Right. That's what, yeah, it doesn't have to be about... Uh, well, no, it's... Look, I'm not going to fight you on that. But it doesn't have to be... It doesn't have to be about Otaku. Like, uh, in Escaflone, like, Hiromi... Um, was on the track team, and she wasn't like the greatest ever. She was good, but like she'll use that to her ability. Like she's very fast, and she can jump long distances that other people wouldn't be able to. Well, and that factors this... into the story. Well, this is the thing I was going to say about Dog Days. Like to its credit, even though I think it's a piece of shit, like the protagonist is a some parkour fucking master kid, and he feels like he can't truly explore his craft because, well, you know. He, of, he lives in the country, doesn't live in a fucking urban environment where he can start making a career on YouTube doing viral videos. Point being, I get that idea there, you know, I'm in this different world and now I can use my parkour to do things like fighting and shit, and that's great. I get to finally cut loose. Cool. But, in my experience, the vast majority of the time it's just complete nothing. Like, you know what? I still keep thinking back to Sword Art Online, for example, and the thing that blows my fucking brains about that is that the last episode that I saw before I gave up on it, episode 8, the fact, the fucking fact that they were trapped in that digital world against their will and would die if killed in said digital world, and Matrix reference it. Do you want to know how many times that came up in that episode despite the fact that should be on the forefront of every single person's mind? None. Zilch. Zero. If I watched that episode out of context, I would not know for a second that that was the situation that they were in. I would have believed that this might have just been a simple session where they logged in, had this adventure, and logged off again. That's how relevant that plot point was to Sword Art Online, at least as far as I got. 
Yeah. And I just thought, you know what? If you're not even going to take your own premise seriously enough to justify the very reason you're doing this show, why the fuck should I? Kiss my ass. Stop wasting my time. Oh, and by the way, spoilers for the podcast, Shield Hero commits the exact same fucking sin. Because it's own apocalypse. Guess how much that matters or feels threatening or relevant to the actual plot of the show? Barely fucking matters. Most recent episode I watched, episode 7, not even mentioned once. Again, same sin as Solid Art Online. If you're not even going to put that in there and do anything interesting with it, don't fucking bother. This is old angry shading coming out now. You can feel it. You can feel the energy coming out of me here, like you know when I was talking about Franks and uh, all the other crappy stuff that we've talked about. So, so yeah, buckle up for that. There's your sneak preview, folks, of me talking about Shield Hero. And there's, and I feel like they're all like these shows want to be like, you know, ah, uh, I'm retreating now into this world where where I really can like belong and and bury myself in it. Um. And there may be a few challenges here and there, but I don't have to overcome the cha- the same kind of challenges in that were facing my me in my everyday life. Mm-hmm. I feel like this there's a difference between like MMO junkie, which that was I felt like about helping them grow outside the game also. And like an isekai. MMO has a big problem in that it never, ever addresses Morioka's uh, career issues. Like, she quits the job, and then the issue of her not having a job or having one never comes up again, despite the fact that, obviously, money is finite, which I thought was one of the two big weaknesses of that show. Like, you know, you don't get cured from having a bad job experience by hooking up with a boyfriend or a girlfriend. That's it, not right. how this works. Well, it does help her... Um... Yes, talk, talk but... to people and go on dates and stuff in IRL. But, yeah, but the job issue never ever comes up again. For all we know, she's still you know leeching off Sakurai ten years in you know in the future, <laughs> while he goes to work and she's just being the housewife who isn't looking after a kid, but instead is just multi-boxing his and her accounts on the game. I mean, not to spoil too big the end of Escaflone or whatever, but um, I mean, I just love that. She, although she has experiences in the fantasy world that change her life forever and make her like a better person and help her grow up some, she like takes that back to the real world because she has to go back to the real world. Hmm. And ah, well, (laughs) she was a a, a sojourner, like a stranger, you know, and the person that tried to stay behind in the fantasy world. Turn into an evil piece of shit who, by the way, again, I'm going to spoil an incredible revelation in Escaflone, but it's like 30 years old, just about. Um, fucking, uh, that person who tried to stay in the fantasy world is none other than Isaac Newton. <laughs> Isaac Newton is the bad guy in Escaflone. <laughs> you know, I was going to follow up by pointing out that Spirits of the Way is technically an isekai. <sighs> And that's one in which the character does return to the real world and has learned a lesson and grown up a little bit. So, yeah, once again, uh, I'm going to leave you all with this particular note. Once again, Studio Ghibli knows how to do shit right. Not that you needed me to tell you that. No, right. Not really. Uh, Anyway, that's everything I wanted to talk about this evening. Uh, We're going to have to wrap Mm -hmm. up, shall we? But uh, thank you, everyone, who joined us safe. This little, you know, indulgence in us talking about, you know, not only, as it turns out, the couple of episodes from shows that started this season, 
uh, but also just various other things. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for taking the time to enjoy our inane babble, as always. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, we don't know the exact date yet. We need to hammer it out going to Easter. Uh, but we will be back next week to discuss Sounds of My Episode 2. Uh, we have other plans going forward, of course, for additional content. Uh, you already know now what's been part of the bag with me deciding to tackle uh, this year's most controversial, you know, anime ever. Because, again, I hate myself and I feel like, you know, I could probably do less harm by trying to, you know, perform cunnilingus on a fucking toaster. But anyway, um, you'll be keeping keep an eye out for that and other stuff that we'll be announcing soon. Uh, and for me, I will very quickly state that I hope you all have a fantastic Easter. Whatever you may be doing, whether you observe the holiday seriously or whether you observe it through the, you know, just shoving your face in the chocolate egg. Whatever floats your boat. Yeah. As long as you enjoy it, that's all that matters. Um, so, yeah. Thank uh, you all very much for listening. Thank you all very much for joining with us. Uh, Doc, you got anything else you want to add? Uh, I also need to watch Robohachi Mirror. Um, I've heard it, it's been heavily recommended to me. Um, no, I just I hope you all get a day or two off from work. Uh, more than normal and or, or school and are able to just chill and you know if you want to reflect reflect if you want to just rest rest just get refreshed enjoy the time off have a fabulous Easter uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us like Shaden said we will be back mm-hmm. next week for Stars and my to try to untangle that uh, you know mess and uh <laughs> nothing messy about it caro it's a good show <laughs> yes <laughs> just to, had to we'll we'll try to interpret all the the various like you know anal liquids <laughs> being spewed about and tell you what that means uh follow us on twitter at watery death show at all uh we love you thanks for hanging out embrace each other everyone to the ends of the universe <laughs> Thank you.